Chapter 6, Morning Breeze Your Majesty, sir, Annie called to the great mogul. She's just an animal. Please don't let anyone hurt her. Shh, you can't talk to him, Jack whispered furiously. Please help her, Annie said to the great mogul. She doesn't know how great you are. She doesn't know she should respect you. The great mogul kept staring at Annie, but said nothing. Don't you love animals? Annie asked. The great mogul didn't answer. Don't you love anything? asked Annie. The ambassadors gasped. Two of the guards grabbed Annie by her arms. No, please, she, he can't help it, Jack explained to the guards. That's just the way my brother is. He can't stop himself from talking. Please tell your ruler that. The great mogul murmured something to a bodyguard. Then he turned and left the balcony. The guard looked startled. He'd said something in a low voice to the men holding Annie. Jack held his breath. Were they going to drag her away? To his surprise, the guards let Annie go. Is the great mogul going to punish the elephant? Annie asked. No, he is not, a guard said. He has given her to you as a gift. What? said Jack. Really? said Annie. Given her to us as a gift? What does that mean exactly? Jack asked. It means you must take her home, said the guard. Back to your own country. Take the elephant home, said Jack. Come with me, the guard said. Come on, Jack, Annie called as she hurried after the guard, leaving the balcony. Take the elephant home, Jack repeated. The ambassadors were still gaping at him. Who are you, one of them asked. Where are you from? Jack, ambassador from Frog Creek, said Jack. Excuse me. In a daze, he hurried after Annie and the guard. When he caught up to them, he whispered to Annie, Have you lost your mind? We can't take an elephant home. We can't let her stay here either, said Annie. They'll punish her. Okay, then you can be the one who carries her up the rope ladder, said Jack. Ha ha, said Annie. It's not ha ha, said Jack. It's insane. Look, let's just get her out of the red fort first, said Annie. Then we'll figure out what to do. Jack and Annie followed the guard until they emerged at the edge of the square in front of the hall of public audience. Several guards were scuffling with the elephant. They had a rope around her neck. Her ears were flapping. She was snorting and stamping her feet. The guards pulled on the rope, forcing the elephant down on her knees. Her eyes looked desperate and furious. Hey, don't hurt her, Jack blurted out. A guard pointed his saber at Jack. Climb on, now, both of you, he said. You have caused enough trouble this day. It is a miracle you are still alive. Jack clutched his bag and scrambled awkwardly into the stray carriage on the elephant's back. Annie climbed in behind him. Crammed together, they gripped the sides of the carriage. Her name is Morning Breeze, the guard shouted. Take her back to your own land. Go now, before the great mogul changes his mind. As if obeying the guard, Morning Breeze rose to her full height. She moved quickly across the square and headed down the stone road that led to the gate. Jack and Annie bounced up and down. They clutched the sides of the straw carriage, trying not to fall out. Jack could hear the guards roaring with laughter behind them. Slow down, Jack shouted to the elephant. But Morning Breeze ran even faster, her big leathery ears flapping and her bells jangling. She's more like a wind than a breeze, shouted Annie. More like a tornado, Jack yelled. Morning breeze thundered through the gate and over the wooden drawbridge. Jack and Annie held on to the sides of the carriage for dear life. After she'd crossed the moat, the elephant finally slowed to a walk. Morning breeze held her trunk high. She seemed to be sniffing the hot wind. 
her ears spread out as if she were listening for a distant sound. We're near the treehouse. It's right there in that row of trees, said Jack. We have the emerald rose. If we can just make her stop, we can jump off and go home. We can get out of this heat and away from this place. I know, I know, said Annie, but stop, stop, morning breeze, said Jack. Let us off. But what about her, said Annie? We can't just leave her here by herself. Jack looked at Morning Breeze's trunk waving in the air. He heard what sounded like crying coming from the wild elephant. She seemed terribly lost and sad. Suddenly, Jack wanted desperately to help the elephant get back to the wild, wherever that was. All right, he said. Keep going. Go fast. His voice rose to a shout. Hurry. Go, Morning Breeze. Go. Chapter 7, Something Very Weird. Her trunk high in the air, Morning Breeze kept sniffing the hot wind. We'll get her away from here, Jack said to Annie. Then you and I can walk back to the treehouse. Great, said Annie. Go, Jack yelled again at the elephant. Go home, go home. He looked over his shoulder. He was afraid the great mogul might change his mind and send his guards after them. Morning Breeze let out a long, deep rumble and flapped her ears as if she'd finally heard a distant call or caught a special scent. Her rumbling cries grew louder and louder. She lumbered away from the drawbridge of the Red Fort. Jack was sure the elephant would start down the street filled with horses and ox carts. But Morning Breeze headed up the other street, the one that went through the bazaar. No, no, go the other way, cried Jack. The elephant began to run. Her flat oval feet thumped against the road as she headed toward the tents and stalls of the bazaar. The street was crowded with merchants and shoppers, bearded men in colorful coats, and women in outfits that completely hid their faces and bodies. Watch out, everyone! Annie cried. As the elephant ran between the busy stalls, everyone scrambled out of her way. Sorry! Sorry! yelled Jack. Rogue elephant! a banana seller shouted. Sorry! Sorry! Jack kept shouting. Morning breeze knocked over wooden poles that supported white tents. The tents collapsed onto burlap bags filled with figs, rice, and peas. She knocked over baskets of lemons, oranges, and pineapples. Angry merchants yelled and shook their fists. She's from the wild. She can't help it, Annie cried. Sorry, sorry, Jack said. Morning breeze pulled down hanging silk shawls and carpets with her trunk. The silk merchant shouted with rage. He and the other sellers grabbed sticks and charged at the elephant. Jack and Annie scrunched down in their small straw carriage. Hurry, go, go, Jack called to Morning Breeze. With the merchants all chasing after her, Morning Breeze bolted from the bazaar. She started down a narrow pebbled road that soon became a dirt path. She left the bearded merchant shouted angrily in the dust. Morning Breeze kept running down the path, passing farms with small mud huts. Sheep and goats bleated and scuttled out of her way. Chickens clucked and scattered. Her bells jangling wildly, the elephant clomped past women and girls tending outdoor cooking fires. She lumbered past men and boys, unloading hay from wooden carts. Hi, hi, excuse us, Annie yelled, waving. Jack tried to smile as he clung to the sides of the swaying carriage. No one smiled or waved back. Everyone stared in shock as the elephant thundered by. Morning breeze ran to the end of the dirt path, but she didn't stop there. She kept running, cutting her own path through a sun-scorched field. Jack felt as if they were riding a big gray ship on waves of tall yellow grass. This is fun, said Annie. Not really, thought Jack. Where in the world were they going? A million insects hummed and buzzed. 
Butterflies and dragonflies darted about. The elephant burst from the sea of grass and charged into a scrubby forest. As she plowed through shrubs and trees, birds cawed and flapped out of the brush. Okay, slow down, morning breeze, yelled Jack. You're back in the wild, so you can let us off now. We need to. Before he could finish, the elephant lifted her trunk and let out a loud shriek. She reared up on her hind legs. Jack and Annie tumbled out of the carriage. They slid down the elephant's back and fell onto the ground. Morning breeze shrieked again and tore away through the forest. Jack and Annie lay in the dirt. They heard the elephant trampling plants and crashing through bushes. They heard her bells jangling. Then the sounds faded away. Are you okay? Annie asked. Yep, said Jack, but that wasn't very polite of her. Annie laughed. Well, you asked her to let us off, she said. Yeah, but not dump us off, said Jack. He waved away flies and slapped at mosquitoes. He felt sweaty and thirsty and exhausted. I wonder how long it will take us to get back to the treehouse. I don't know. Let's just start retracing our steps, said Annie. Jack and Annie stood up and brushed the dirt off their coats. Hey, where's your bag? asked Annie. My bag, said Jack. Where was it? He whirled around. He saw it lying in the grass. There, he said. He hurried to his bag and picked it up. It was open. Oh, no. He reached in and pulled out their research book, the blue bottle, and Teddy and Kathleen's note. He searched frantically for the emerald rose. I don't believe it. The emerald's missing, cried Jack. It must have slipped out when we fell off morning breeze, said Annie. We'll find it. It has to be here somewhere. Jack shoved everything back into his bag. Then he and Annie got down on their hands and knees. Jack looked intently at the forest undergrowth, the dried vegetation, sticks, clumps of dirt, and rotten leaves. I can't believe this, said Jack. They had been so close to returning home, their mission done. Now they were stuck in the middle of nowhere and the emerald rose was missing. I don't see it. It's not here. Maybe it fell out at the bazaar when, bingo, said Annie. There it is. Where, where, said Jack. There, Annie said pointing. Jack saw it. The emerald rose glittered like a tiny green light in a small sunlit clearing. It was lying next to a mound of earth and dead leaves. Yes, said Jack. He and Annie scrambled to their feet and headed for the mound. But when they got closer, Annie grabbed his arm. Wait, there's something weird happening there, she said. Very weird. See? W what? Where? said Jack. Annie pointed to the mound. Something very weird was happening. The earth and leaves seemed to be moving. Then Jack saw speckled yellow bands and two shiny black eyes. Jack gasped. Oh no, he whispered. A king cobra. Chapter 8. Shwist. The king cobra circled the leafy mound. Its skin was olive brown, the color of the dead leaves. It had speckled yellow bands that ran around its scaly body. Back up. Back up. Go slow, Jack whispered to Annie. Jack picked up his bag and they quietly stepped backward until they got to the edge of the clearing. Now run! Jack and Annie took off. Clutching his bag, Jack ran with little steps, trying not to lose his pointy slippers. After about a hundred yards, Annie came to a halt. Stop! Stop! She grabbed Jack's arm. We shouldn't get too far away. Why not? said Jack. Penny, said Annie. We have to get the emerald for Penny. Right, right, said Jack. Okay, he took a deep breath. First, we have to get calm. Jack took another deep breath. Then he pulled out their research book. Okay, let's read about cobras. Jack opened the book and found a section about Indian wildlife. He read, 
The king cobra is the only snake known to make a nest for its eggs. The nest is made of a mound of dead leaves. The cobra's scaly skin is the same color as the leaves, a good example of natural camouflage. So that mound of leaves was its nest, said Jack, and the cobra was probably a mother snake, snake guarding her eggs. How does that information help us, said Annie. It doesn't, said Jack. He went on. King cobras cannot hear, but they have excellent vision and can feel vibrations. They will attack anything they see that gets too close to their nests. That's bad news, said Annie. Yep, really bad news, said Jack. He kept reading. When threatened, the king cobra flattens its neck into a hood. A single bite from the snake contains enough venom to kill 20 men or a large elephant. Whoa, said Annie. That must be why Morning Breeze panicked and ran away. Jack closed the book. He shook his head. I don't see how we can possibly get close to that nest, he said. Then there's no way we can get an emerald rose for Penny, said Annie, unless we go back to the great mogul and ask for another one. And that's not going to happen, said Jack. Then how can we save Penny, asked Annie. Think of Penny. Jack thought about Penny. He would do anything for her. Okay, he said. There might be a way if we could get the emerald rose. What if, what if we were really small? Yes, said Annie. The cobra can't hear us, right, said Jack. She can only see us and feel vibrations. So if we make ourselves small, maybe we can sneak back and get the emerald without being seen. Yes, said Annie. Jack reached into his bag and pulled out the blue bottle. He and Annie both stared at it. So how many sips should we take, Jack asked. One for 10 minutes? Annie shook her head. Two for 20. Okay, Jack took a deep breath. But just so you know, when we get small, everything else will be huge, like flies and spiders and... Spiders? Annie said in a small voice. Yeah, said Jack. Hey, you know what? You don't have to do this. I can do it by myself. It only takes one person to get the emerald. No, I'll go. You stay, said Annie. No way, said Jack. We'll both go. Good, said Annie. Jack held the bottle up to his lips. Okay, he said. Two sips. He took two quick sips, then handed the bottle to Annie. Jack felt dizzy. He closed his eyes and hugged himself. He felt as if he were falling through a hole. Shh, whist! Suddenly, the forest was filled with chirping, whirring, crunching, and squeaking. Oh, wow, whispered Annie. Open your eyes. Jack opened his eyes. He and Annie were both small, very small. Their clothes and shoes in Jack's bag were all small too. Oh man, we got really small, said Jack. He looked around at the grass and the weeds and the mushrooms. They were all taller than he was. I think we shrunk to about six or eight inches. Close to the ground, the scrubby forest was awake and alive, filled with the ripe smells of earth, noisy insect sounds, and the rustling and whispering of grasses and weeds. The dirt glittered as if it sprinkled as if it was sprinkled with flecks of silver. It's really beautiful, said Annie. Yeah, said Jack. Wildflowers looked like elegant luminous umbrellas with pale pink petals and silvery leaves. Berries were the size of apples. Look up, said Annie. Wow, said Jack. The tall trees of the forest were like skyscrapers. It was hard to see where they ended. Whoop! Something plopped down in the dirt beside Jack. Ah! Jack and Annie grabbed each other in terror. It was a giant insect as long as Jack's arm. 
It had a flat brown body, six legs, and two sets of wings. It looked at them with huge goggle-like eyes. It waved its antenna and crept forward. Ah! Jack and Annie stumbled backward. The giant bug stopped. Then it rubbed its front wings together. The forest erupted with shrill chirping. Creakle, 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 creakle. Jack covered his ears and laughed. The giant insect was a cricket. He knew a cricket wouldn't hurt them. The cricket pushed off the ground with its long hind legs and leapt into the brush. Look, said Annie, glancing up. A giant golden yellow butterfly hovered above her. As if Annie were a flower, the butterfly touched down lightly on her head and opened its wings. Annie held her breath. She didn't move a muscle. She looked like she was wearing a wide yellow hat. The butterfly closed its wings, then opened them, and with a whispery sound, fluttered deeper into the forest. Buzz! A gigantic bee circled above Jack. Whoa! Keep moving, buddy, Jack said, ducking and waving his hands. We're not flowers. The bee buzzed lazily away. Hey, we'd better hurry and get our emerald before we become our real size again, said Annie. Oh, right, said Jack. Which way? asked Annie. Jack looked around. It was hard to tell where they were. I remember the emerald was shining in the sunlight. It looks sunny over there, said Annie. She pointed to a clearing. So, let's creep through the shade toward the light, said Jack. Remember, the cobra can't hear us, but she can see us and feel our vibrations. We have to stay hidden and step lightly. Hey, I wonder where the dad is, said Annie. Don't ask, said Jack. Don't think about it. We have enough to worry about. Come on, let's go. He and Annie crouched down and started creeping toward the sunlight. Chapter 9, Camouflage Jack and Annie stepped lightly through dead leaves and pushed aside feathery weeds that towered above them. They carefully climbed over twigs, pebbles, and tangled roots. They skirted around a deserted anthill as high as Jack's knees. When they got to the edge of the cobra's clearing, Jack stopped. He held up his hand and Annie nodded. They peered between tall blades of grass. The emerald rose glittered in the sunlight. It looked as big as a softball. The cobra was still coiled around her nest, but now she looked as big as a monster in a fairy tale. Whoa, Jack breathed. What do you think we should do? Annie whispered. Should I just run as fast as I can, grab it and run back? No, no, said Jack. He was shocked by how big the cobra looked. I think she's asleep, said Annie. We can't really tell, said Jack. Her eyes are hard to see because of her camouflage. So how, started Annie. That's it, said Jack. Camouflage. What about it, said Annie. That's how we'll get the emerald, said Jack. We'll use our own camouflage. You mean like leaves, said Annie. Yeah, leaves would be good, said Jack. They looked around. There. He pointed to a vine with large light green leaves. He and Annie gripped one of the leaves and pulled until it tore off the vine. Annie held it up in front of her like a shield. How's this, she said. Great, said Jack. Now one for me. He and Annie gripped another leaf and pulled until they ripped it from the vine too. Poke holes in them so you can see, said Annie. Good idea, said Jack. They poked holes in their leaves and then held them up, covering their faces. Jack moved his leaf around until he could see the emerald through the eye holes. Go slowly and stick with me, Jack said. Two steps, then stop. Two steps, then stop. Got it, said Annie. Holding their leaves in front of them, Jack and Annie carefully stepped into the clearing. They took two steps toward the emerald, then stopped. Two steps, then stopped. The cobra didn't move. Jack desperately hoped she was asleep. 
He and Annie took two more steps, then stopped. The emerald glittered in the hot sunlight. They took two more steps, then Annie gasped. The cobra was lifting her body above her nest. Her head was broad and flat. She swayed back and forth and looked around with staring eyes. Jack and Annie froze. Then slowly, the cobra lowered her head. Jack let out his breath. Their camouflage had worked. He motioned to Annie, and they both took another two steps, then stopped. Jack was only a step away from the jewel now. Holding up his leaf camouflage with one hand, he leaned over and scooped up the emerald. It felt as heavy as a big rock. Holding the leaf with one hand, Jack used his other hand to shove the emerald into his bag. With Annie behind him, he stepped backward. Two steps, then stopped. Jack kept his eye on the cobra coiled around her nest. He and Annie kept backing up. Suddenly, a sound came from behind them. A strange hissing, growling sound. A chill went through Jack. He turned around. A monster-sized cobra towered over them. The dad! yelled Annie. The male cobra had the same coloring as the female. His hood was spread out as he raised himself high above the grass. He swayed from side to side, staring down at Jack and Annie with cold, unblinking eyes. He opened his giant mouth, showing two deadly fangs. Ah! said Jack and Annie. They dropped their leaves and crouched down, hiding themselves in the grass. Go! Go! sputtered Jack. They took off, scrambling through the undergrowth of the, growth of the forest. Jack led the way as they both half crawled, half ran over the dirt and through the grass. Jack lost his slippers and ripped his coat. Like a mouse, he clambered over sticks and twigs, nuts, seeds, bark, feathers, mosses, and mushrooms. All kinds of ants and beetles scuttled out of the way. The air was filled with screeching insect sounds. Jack had no idea where he was running, but he knew he couldn't stop. He was sure the cobra was slithering after them, thrashing through the undergrowth. Maybe both king cobras were searching for them now, he thought, and all the forest was screaming about it. Jack stumbled over a stick. He scrambled up from the dirt and looked around wildly. Where was Annie? He didn't see her. Had she gone off in another direction? Where were the cobras? Had they chased after Annie instead of him? Jack panicked. Annie! He shouted. The ground trembled. Jack heard thumping, thrashing, and bells. He crouched down in the grass and covered his head. He heard Annie shout, Jack, where are you, Jack? She sounded as if she was up in a tree. What was going on? Jack looked up. Suddenly, a gigantic snake dropped down in front of him. Ah! Jack yelled, Yay! Annie yelled from overhead. The snake didn't have the olive brown skin of a cobra. It was gray and wrinkled. It wasn't a snake at all. It was the trunk of an elephant. Before Jack could think, the tip of the elephant's trunk curled around him. Clutching him like a banana, morning breeze lifted Jack up in the air. Jack clung to his bag so he wouldn't lose the emerald again. The trunk curled back and Jack could see the sky whirling above him. The elephant uncoiled her trunk and let go of Jack. He plopped down into the straw carriage. Annie was already there. Morning breeze, Annie cried. She came back for us. Jack was so small, he couldn't see over the sides of the carriage. He tried to stand up to look for the cobras, but just then, morning breeze bellowed and bolted through the forest. Jack lost his balance and fell backward. Jack and Annie both laughed as they bounced around in the basket on the back of the elephant. They were safe from the cobras. They had their emerald rose, and morning breeze had risked her life to save them. Shwist! Chapter 10 
caught in the wild. Instantly, the straw carriage felt small and cramped. Jack and Annie sat up and looked at each other. We're big again, said Annie. Yeah, said Jack, dazed. Where's the emerald, said Annie. Jack opened his bag. The jewel looked tiny again, but it was there. No problem. I have it, he said. It was kind of fun being so little, wasn't it, said Annie. Yeah, until we nearly got killed by humongous, super poisonous snakes, said Jack. Thanks for saving us, Morning Breeze, called Annie. She reached out from the carriage and patted the elephant's wrinkled skin. Yeah, thanks, said Jack. Morning Breeze made a trumpet sound and swayed from side to side as she tramped through the low, scraggly brush. I wonder where she's going, said Jack. The elephant slowed down. She sniffed the air with the tip of her trunk. Then she stopped near a clump of bushes and made a low purring sound. A snuffling noise came from behind the bushes. Branches and leaves shook and parted. Oh, wow, breathed Danny. A baby elephant bumbled out into the open. He had a fuzzy head and bright, shining eyes. Morning Breeze lowered herself onto her knees. She stretched out her trunk and stroked her baby. The little elephant nuzzled against her. So that's why Morning Breeze had to escape the fort, said Annie. When they captured her, captured her in the wild, they took her away from her baby. She was desperate to get back to him. Yeah, said Jack, and after she found him, she came back to help us. Annie climbed out of the straw carriage and carefully slid down off the elephant's back. Jack followed her. Annie patted the elephant's back. I guess you'll be staying here now that you found your baby. Jack rubbed his hand over Morning Breeze's skin. Her huge wrinkled body smelled of grass and heat and trees. The elephant actually looked as if she were smiling. I don't think you need to wear this stuff anymore, said Annie. She reached up and lifted the rope of silver bells off the elephant's neck. The bells jangled as Annie dropped them into the grass. Or this, said Jack. He took the fringed cloth off the elephant's head. And especially this, said Annie. Together, she and Jack unbuckled the strap that held the straw carriage in place on Morning Breeze's back. They pulled the carriage off and set it on the grass. Doesn't that feel better, said Jack. Morning Breeze stared at Jack and Annie. Her eyes were bright and clear. She trumpeted and rose to her full height. Before you go, can we pet your baby? asked Annie. The large elephant didn't seem to mind as Annie reached out and stroked the baby elephant. Whoa, Annie breathed. Pet him, Jack. Jack rubbed his hand slowly over the baby's head. The elephant's fuzzy hair felt coarse and tickly. Jack laughed. Enjoy being home in the wild again, Annie said to Morning Breeze. Jack and I have to go back to our home now. Thanks, Morning Breeze, said Jack. Good luck. We love you, said Annie. Morning Breeze flapped her ears and waved her trunk at them. Then she turned and lumbered off with her baby at her heels. The two of them kicked up grass and dirt as they disappeared into the brush. Wow, said Annie. Yeah, said Jack. Annie turned to Jack and laughed. We look like we've been in a train wreck, she said. No kidding, said Jack. They'd both lost their pointy shoes and their coats were torn and dirty. At least we have our emerald rose, said Annie, and Morning Breeze is back with her baby. Mission done, said Jack. So let's go back to the treehouse, said Annie. Yeah, said Jack. He looked around. But where the heck are we? I think the big field we came through is over there, said Annie, pointing. I hear a lot of bug noise. Let's look. Jack and Annie headed for the field. Ow! Ow! Weeds and rocks jabbed their bare feet. Jack just missed stepping on a large anthill. He and Annie picked their way through the scrubby forest until they came to the edge of the yellow field.
The sounds of buzzing and chirping filled the air. The tall grasses rustled in the dry, hot wind. That's it, said Jack. So to get back to the treehouse, we crossed the field, then go on the dirt path, then head back through the bazaar and down the road to Red Fort. Got it? Got it, said Annie. I just hope we don't get eaten alive by bugs, said Jack, or get heat stroke, or get clobbered by those angry guys in the bazaar, or enough, stop, said Annie, grinning, one thing at a time. Come on, don't be chicken. The bugs are more afraid of us than we are of them. Run! Annie and Jack started running through the dry, dusty field. Their torn silk coats billowed behind them. Jack could feel grasshoppers and all sorts of buzzy and jumpy things bashing against him, but nothing really hurt. His feet crushed the dry, tough grass until he and Annie finally reached the dirt path. Yes, we, we made it, Annie said, out of breath. Oh, look, Jack was burning up. He felt dizzy. Woo, we look, Annie said again. She grabbed Jack and pointed to a farmer hauling hay. The farmer was talking to an imperial guard in a horse-drawn carriage. It was the same guard who had escorted them to the great mogul's balcony. The farmer pointed back at Jack and Annie. The guard turned and saw them. Oh no, he must be searching for us, said Jack. Hide! But it was too late. The guard had jumped out of the carriage. He was striding toward the edge of the field. Stop, ambassadors from Frog Creek, he called. Jack held his breath as he and Annie waited for the guard. The guard looked about as he approached them. Where is the elephant, he asked. She threw us off, said Annie. Yeah, and then she ran that way, said Jack. He pointed to the right, while Annie pointed to the left. But the guard didn't seem to care about the elephant, nor did he seem to care about their bare feet and torn coats. You must come with me, he said gruffly. Why? asked Jack. The guard wrapped his hand around the hilt of his sword. Because if you do not, you will be put in jail for the rest of your lives, he said. Oh, said Jack. Good reason. Chapter 11, Heart to Heart. Jack and Annie silently followed the guard to his carriage and climbed in the back. The guard flicked the reins and the pair of black horses took off, trotting down the dirt path. Annie looked at Jack. I wonder where we're going, she whispered. Jack just shook his head. His worst thought was that the great mogul had changed his mind and wanted to punish them. The horses passed the mud huts, the men and boys hauling hay, the women and girls cooking outdoors. They passed goats and sheep and chickens. The horses clopped down the stone road. They moved easily through the bazaar. Jack saw that the silks and carpets were hanging on the lines again. Oranges, lemons, and pineapples were back in the baskets. Tent poles were all standing, and the bearded merchants looked happy and busy. The horses trotted down the street toward the Red Fort. When they came to the drawbridge, Jack expected them to cross the moat and head back to the palace, but they didn't. The horses trotted past the fort and down a road along the river. The sun was low in the sky when the horse-drawn carriage came to a square. The horses stopped before a massive red gateway with an arched entrance. The guard turned to Jack and Annie. You are to go inside and wait, he said. Okay, thanks for the ride, said Annie. The guard stayed in the carriage while Jack and Annie climbed out. They walked up to the looming gateway. Where are we, Annie whispered to Jack, and why are we here? If I knew, I'd tell you, whispered Jack. Jack and Annie stepped under the high arched entrance. Leading from the entrance was a narrow canal stretching to the horizon. In the sunset, Jack thought he saw a cloud of mist hovering above the ground. Then he realized it was a shimmering, milky white dome about 20 stories high. It seemed to float between the earth and the sky. 
There were four tall towers at the corners of a terrace beneath the dome. Jack and Annie just stared at the dreamlike vision. Then they saw a man walking along the narrow canal toward them. As the man got closer, Jack caught his breath. It was the great mogul. No guards were with him. He was all alone. The great mogul stopped and stared at them. His gaze took in their ragged, torn coats and bare feet. Jack panicked. They looked terrible. Would the ruler think they weren't showing proper respect for him? Bow, Annie whispered. Together, they bowed from their waist and brushed their right hands on the ground. They straightened up, raised their right hands into the air, and placed their palms on their heads. Then they lowered their hands and stood perfectly still. Jack cast his eyes down, afraid to look directly at the great mogul. There was a moment of silence. Then the all-powerful ruler spoke. I have never read such writing before or seen such artwork, he said. Jack looked up at the great mogul, but he didn't know what to do. Were they allowed to talk? Excuse me, your majesty, said Annie. Is it all right to speak? Yes, said the great mogul. Thank you. Well, Jack wrote the words, said Annie, and I drew the pictures. The great mogul nodded. Your story and pictures tell of riding through the world in a treehouse. You tell of saving a huge octopus, a baby gorilla, and a baby kangaroo. You tell of helping brilliant men named Leonardo da Vinci and William Shakespeare. You tell of rescuing children from a giant ocean wave and from a sinking ship. You are a great storyteller, he said to Jack. Oh, not really, said Jack. He felt embarrassed. I just told about stuff that happened to us. The great mogul turned to Annie. Your pictures are filled with life and joy. They are rich and stirring. You are a great artist, he said. Not really, Annie said. Lots of people draw better than me. What you probably loved was the perfect printing of Jack's story and the sparkly colors of my pens. Yeah, we can't take credit for those things, said Jack. The great mogul almost smiled. The perfect letters and the sparkles were not what I liked best, he said. I liked the heart in the story. I liked the heart in the drawings. Jack couldn't explain why, but he thought he understood what the great mogul meant. And now I want to answer the question you asked me today, the great mogul said to Annie. You asked me if I love anything. I could not speak freely in front of my guards or my foreign guests, but the answer is yes. I once did love something, someone, very much. My wife. She was my best friend and the mother of many children. I wept an ocean of tears when she died. Oh, I'm so sorry, said Annie. Me too, said Jack. You have shown me your hearts, said the great mogul. Now I show you mine. He turned and looked at the shimmering dome. This is the tomb of marble I built for my wife. It is called the Taj Mahal. Chapter 12, The Meaning of the Emerald. Jack, Annie, and the great mogul were silent for a long moment. The marble of the Taj Mahal seemed to change color as the sun went down. Against the darkening sky, it went from pale pink to orange to purple. The dome sparkled as if it were covered with a thousand tiny lights. How did you make it sparkle like that? Annie asked finally. Stonecutters set precious stones in the marble, said the great mogul. Many were cut in the shapes of flowers and leaves. The emerald rose you chose today is like the carved flowers set in the Taj Mahal. It's really beautiful, Jack said. Yes, many say it is the most beautiful building in all the world, said the great mogul. 
but hidden beneath the sparkle and magnificence of the Taj Mahal is simply the lonely heart of one person who loved another. The great mogul had tears in his eyes. He cleared his throat and looked away from them. And the elephant I gave you, where is she now? Uh, actually, Jack started. He didn't know what to say. How could he protect Morning Breeze? We left her in the forest, Annie finished. She has a baby she wanted to take care of. You probably didn't know this, but Morning Breeze was a new mom when she was captured. She's a good mother. She should stay with her baby. The great mogul nodded. I understand, he said. My wife was a good mother too. The last thing she said to me was, please take care of our children. Do not worry. The elephant will remain in the forest with her child. Thank you, said Annie. The great mogul stared at them for a long moment. When he spoke again, his voice was kind. You are ambassadors from far away, he said, but you are children too. You should go back to your home, to those who care for you. A splendid idea, said Jack, trying to sound like an ambassador. Come. The great mogul walked with Jack and Annie back to the arched entrance and through the tall gate. He waved at the driver in the cart. Then he turned to Jack and Annie. Farewell, he said. Travel safely. Thank you, said Annie. Bow, Jack whispered to her. Jack and Annie performed their bow one last time. When they straightened up, the great mogul nodded. Oh, and thank you for the emerald rose, said Annie. It is a priceless treasure. You are most welcome, said the great mogul. The rose was my wife's favorite flower. And, as you know, emeralds stand for love. For the first time, a warm smile crossed his face. Jack and Annie smiled back at him. But the great mogul was suddenly serious again, as if he wasn't allowed to smile. He looked at Jack and Annie for a moment. Then, without another word, he turned and walked through the tall gate back toward the shimmering tomb of his wife. Jack looked at Annie. Let's go home now, he said. Jack and Annie walked to the guard in his horse-drawn carriage. Please take us to the trees outside the walls of the red fort, Jack said. The guard flicked his reins. The black horses trotted along the river in the pink twilight. They passed veiled women on the backs of elephants, white oxen pulling a cart, and small boys driving a herd of sheep. They stopped near the row of dark trees outside the red fort. This is fine. We'll get out here, please, said Jack. The guard gave them a silent nod. Jack and Annie jumped out of the cart. They ran under the trees to the rope ladder and climbed into the treehouse. Jack grabbed the Pennsylvania book. Before he made the wish, he and Annie looked out the window. In the distance, they could just see the Taj Mahal. It glowed faintly in the hot night like a shimmering cloud. Oh, wait, said Jack. I just remembered something. He reached into his bag and pulled out the note from Kathleen and Teddy. He read aloud, Ye say that you wish your spell be reversed, for things ye must find, here is the first. In the shape of a rose is an emerald stone that uncovers the heart of one who's alone. Jack put the note away. Our mission wasn't really done until now, he said. We were so worried about the emerald rose, we forgot the part about uncovering the heart of one who's alone. The great mogul, said Annie, even though he has millions of followers, he's really lonely. Jack and Annie looked out the window again. Goodbye, great mogul, Annie said. I hope your heart feels better someday. Jack took a deep breath. He pointed at a picture of the Frog Creek Woods. I wish we could go home, he said. The wind began to blow. The treehouse started to spin. It spun faster and faster. Then everything was still, absolutely still. Jack and Annie were wearing their own clothes again. Jack's bag was a backpack. 
A warm wind was blowing the trees in the Frog Creek woods. I'm glad it's not boiling hot here, said Jack. It feels good, said Annie. You've still got the emerald rose, right? Jack looked in his backpack. Got it, he said. He pulled out their note, their research book, and the blue bottle, and he left them in the corner of the treehouse. Then Jack took out the sparkling stone and held it up to the afternoon light. This is for you, Penny, Jack said. We'll take this home and keep it safe until we see Teddy and Kathleen again. Good, said Annie. Jack carefully put the emerald rose back into his backpack. Then he looked at Annie. Home, he said. Jack and Annie climbed down the rope ladder. As they walked through the Frog Creek woods, Annie was unusually quiet. What's on your mind? Jack asked. Well, I was just thinking that it's really cool that emeralds stand for love, said Annie. Love was the reason for every big thing that happened today. How do you mean, said Jack. He thought their day had been crazy. Well, we went on our mission because Merlin and everyone else in Camelot loves Penny, said Annie, and we love her too. Right, said Jack. And the great mogul gave us morning breeze because I loved her, said Annie. Right, said Jack. And Morning Breeze took us into the wild because she loved her baby, said Annie. Right, said Jack. And we ran into trouble with the cobras because they love their babies to be, said Annie. Yeah, said Jack. Okay. And finally, the great mogul showed us the Taj Mahal, which is the most amazing building we've ever seen. And he built it because he loved his wife, said Annie. Yeah, said Jack. You're right. Annie made it all sound so simple. And now I would love to go home, said Annie. Me too, said Jack. Hey, we can tell mom and dad you got an A plus on your story, said Annie. We'll print it out again. Yeah, and I made copies of your artwork, said Jack, except the sparkles don't really show. That's okay, said Annie. The sparkles aren't that important. Right, said Jack. It's the heart that counts. And the two of them left the Frog Creek Woods and headed home under the cloudless May sky. The end.